0: Hey, good morning again, everybody. It's great to be together, um, as it always is. Just welcome again to those watching online. We're glad that you're with us also. And if you're just joining us, we are in a series called Guardrails. And the, the idea behind the series is pretty simple. It's this. It's that we all agree with the wisdom of guardrails out on the road, because we know that guardrails keep us from swerving into traffic or going off into a ditch or going off a cliff. But here's the thing, here's the big idea in the series is that we don't just need guardrails on the road, we also need guardrails in our life. And so in this series, we're just talking about different areas of our life where it makes sense, where it is wise to have personal guardrails. And what we mean by a personal guardrail is just a standard, a personal standard that I set for myself, not, not somebody else. It's something I set for myself that is designed to ding my conscience early on while I'm still in the safety zone so that I don't veer off the cliff. I, I don't have regrets in life and the idea of setting a personal guardrail is really just an application of Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 this is something pastor mark shared with us on uh, week 1 and it says there look carefully how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil we need to watch how we live how we walk the steps that we take because satan is out there like a roaring lion he wants to take me out he wants to take you out and we we have to be clear-eyed about that we can't be naive about it we need to watch how we walk and so that's what a guardrail is all about it's about walking wisely in the days in which we Uh, Uh, So today we're talking specifically about guarding my moral integrity, Uh, guardrails around my marriage if I am married, or guardrails around my purity if I am single. And it's easy to think uh, on this, you know, on this topic to initially say, you know what, I'm... I'm, I'm good, I, I've, I've walked with Christ a few years, I've got a little spiritual maturity under my belt. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't really need that. But I can think, and you probably can too, I can think of so many Christian leaders around the country, ones that I respected, ones that I learned from, and they didn't finish well in this, particularly in this area. They lost their integrity, they lost their witness, they lost their influence, they dishonored Christ, they dishonored the ones that they loved, and, and for what? You know, they, they knew better, that wasn't uh, the issue. It's that they didn't think they needed guardrails, they didn't feel like they needed uh, accountability and Satan took them out at the knees. And so I think there's something for all of us to learn uh, from this that really the wisest thing we can do is to think ahead about this subject area and have some guardrails in our life. Our, our primary scripture today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 18, 19, and 20. And here's what I wanna do, I wanna read it, and then we're just gonna take a few minutes to make sure we understand exactly what it's saying And then we're gonna take a few minutes and we're gonna apply it specifically in this area of personal guardrails in our own life. So here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm starting in verse 18. It says there, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. It's powerful in our life. Help us to understand it and apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in these three verses that we just read, basically how it goes is it begins with a command, okay? And then the middle section, it gives us an explanation for the command. It gives us a a why. And then it ends with a summary statement of what the Christian sexual ethic is. And so we're just gonna take it sort of like that. So what's the command? It's the very first sentence at the beginning. It it says, flee from sexual immorality. That's the command, the exhortation there. Don't flirt with it around the edges, like get away from it. Flee from it, get as far away as you can. Run, forest, run. As far as you can, as fast as you can, get get away from it. In the original language, the the, the verse has the image of a fugitive who's on the run, like serious business. You are being chased, flee, Uh, get away from it. When we, uh, if we try to think of a positive example of fleeing From immorality. One image that might come to our mind is the story of Joseph. Do you remember him? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then one of Jacob's sons is Joseph. Joseph is sold in slavery in Egypt. He's working for a very high Egyptian official called Potiphar. Uh, uh, Joseph was a well built, handsome man, the Bible says, and Potiphar's wife took an eye to him and she was trying to seduce him and finally they were alone in the house one day and she's like, you know, she comes after him and he says, uh, I cannot dishonor God and I cannot dishonor my master who has been so good to me. And so he, and it says in that moment, he f- flees, he runs from the house as fast as he can go leaving his, uh, his coat uh, behind. And so Joseph is this example of fleeing from something that could be very destructive. If we try to think of a negative example of flirting with it rather than fleeing from it, we might think of David. Um, David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart, but he got hammered on this one it says that it says in the time that the kings went out to war so the first david was not there david was in the palace he wasn't where he should have been he should have been with his men he should have been taking the same hardships that they were having but he didn't he stayed home it was his first mistake his mind was occupied. And he, it says he's out on his roof and he notices Bathsheba, a very beautiful woman. And rather than fleeing in that moment from something that could be destructive for him and his nation, he flirts with the idea in his mind, it becomes this slippery slope for him. He calls for her. She ends up being with child from David. And then it just, the story goes from bad to worse. David murders Uh, her husband Uriah, who was one of his top officers in the military. I mean, it's just horrible. And there is destruction as wreaked upon David's family and upon his nation because of this. David was someone who knew better. He was a man after God's own heart, but he didn't have guardrails in his life at that moment. He flirted with danger and it uh, had far reaching consequences for him, for his family, and for the nation. Of Israel, So the exhortation here is flee, right? Get away from it. And it says flee from what? The word that's, uh, that we're translating here in the English, we say sexual immorality. We, we sort of know what that means, but it probably just needs a little bit of explanation. It's a general term for any type of sexual expression outside of God's will for me. Now, God is not against sexual expression. He created it. He is all for it. It's just to be used within its proper bounds. It's like a river. A river is life-giving when it's flowing inside of its banks but it is destructive when it overflows its banks and the Bible talks about sexual expression in the exact same way. So what are those bounds that scripture has for us? Well, we can really summarize it very simply. It's not complicated. If I'm single, I should remain chaste and abstinent. If I am married, I should remain faithful. Marriage is between between one man and one woman and I should remain faithful. That's the biblical sexual ethic in a nutshell. And anything that tempts me outside of that, this is saying, flee from it. Get away from it. Next, however, he gives us the why. Why should I flee from sexual immorality? And he, and he, uh, uh, he says it's not just a sin against another person like most other sins are, it's not just a sin against another person, it's a double whammy because it's a sin against another person and he says it's a sin against my own body. Well, that's interesting. We say, why would, why would that matter that it's a sin against my own body? Well, he gives us two reasons why that matters. And he begins that little section by saying, do you not know? So he's gonna give us a couple things we may not No, But once we know them, it changes how we think and behave in this area of our life. So here's the first thing that we may not know that he says. He says, first, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, your body is sacred because as a Christian, God's spirit dwells inside of you. Now think about this for a moment. In the Old Testament, God dwelt in the temple, right? In the Holy of Holies, over the Ark of the Covenant. That's where his presence was. So there were strict rules about who and when and how you could enter God's presence. You don't dare bring something contaminating into God's Presence And now Paul is saying here, he's reminding us, your body is a temple. It is a sacred thing because God dwells in it. And so you dare not bring what is sinful and contaminating to your body. And here's the reason that he brings this up. Because what they were saying in Corinth is that what I do with my body doesn't really matter. It's only the heart, it's only the spirit. You know, what we, what we do with our body, that's just transitory and it doesn't matter. And if you think about it, we may not say it exactly that same way, but in our culture we have the same type of thinking that comes into play. And Paul is coming very forcefully against that. So number one, he says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing he brings up. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Christ who redeemed you spirit, soul, and body. You know, we say today, hey, you know, I, I can do what I want. I'm an adult, I'm, you know, I'm a free agent. We say the same thing, and to this Paul says, no, actually, (laughs) you belong to the Lord, and it is not my own to do with as I wish. He has redeemed us and bought us. And so it's interesting when he's talking about the why, he doesn't just talk about the consequence, although that's a real thing. He, He talks about our identity who we are, do you not know who you are? The value and sacredness of your body, do you not know? But he says, but now you do. And then he summarizes the Christian sexual ethic by saying, so glorify God in your body. This is the bottom line, glorify God in your body. So setting up guardrails in our life in this regard is really just an application of the command to flee from sexual immorality because it's not fleeing is not just fleeing in the moment of temptation I mean sometimes it comes to that you know like it did with uh, Joseph but if that's like our whole strategy (laughs) then you know we're going to get burned with that kind of strategy. Fleeing is really also setting up guardrails that keep me out of those situations to begin with. And so I just want to suggest a few areas for us to think about in this regard. And, you know, the guardrails that I set for myself may not be the same as the guardrails that you set for yourself or re- unique with unique, you know, circumstances. Um, That's not the point. The point, however, is that we all need guardrails in our life of some sort and to encourage us to think about it and to set them even, but they don't have to all be exactly the same, okay? So here's the first area of a guardrail to think about. It's kind of a foundational thing, but I think it's important. The first one is, the first guardrail is to develop a biblical conviction about this area, to develop a biblical conviction. Here's why I think this is so important. I will not set up any guardrails and I will not flee from immorality if I do not have strong convictions about this area of my life. This is exactly the issue that Paul was addressing in Corinth because they were justifying and rationalizing in their minds whatever it is that they wanted to do. They were saying, hey, what we do with the body doesn't matter, it's just an, ap- an appetite like any other appetite, if you have a desire, fulfill it. The body doesn't matter. They didn't have a strong conviction about what the Bible says about this. And so that's why he says, do you not know? And a lot of people today because this is an area of huge confusion in our world. So a lot of us today, we have honest questions about this and that's okay, questions are good. This is a safe place to ask questions but the key step here is to dig in, do some Bible study. What does the Bible say? Why does it say what it says? Ask the hard questions of scripture, pray through it In fact, there's a great book that's in our uh, bookstore. It's by Christopher Yuan. It's called Holy Sexuality in the Gospel. It's very helpful in this regard. If it, it addresses things very relevantly from the questions being asked in our culture today and addresses them biblically and really thinks through at a deep level why the Bible says what it says and how we can live it out in the world in which we live. So if you've got some questions about this topic, dig in and that might be a good, helpful resource. And if I can just speak to our students for a moment, our high school students, um, college students, young adults, nothing in the world is encouraging you and supporting you to make the right decisions in this arena. When you look at media, when we look at the things around us, nothing is supporting you. And you are gonna need a strong sense of who you are and a strong sense of what you are believe in this regard if you are going to survive uh, without regrets. And I tell you, the church is, one, is the, one of the, and your church family is one of the few places where you're not only going to hear what's true and what's right and what's best for you, but to support you in this regard. But you got to be rock solid in who you are and what you believe. And so here's the question. Do I have strong convictions in this regard or do I have some questions? And if I have some questions, it's okay, but run them to ground. Don't just be floating in uh, that wishy-washy zone. We can't survive that way. Here's the second area, uh, a second guardrail, and that is to remind yourself what is at stake Remind yourself what's at stake. We tend to minimize the consequences and the damage of sexual sin. That's why we need to remind ourselves what is at stake. Um, Speaking of this area of life, and this is in Proverbs uh, chapter five, it's in verses eight through 14, but the wise sage is talking to the young man in Proverbs five, and he's saying, hey, um, he's saying the same thing, hey, keep away from immorality, in other words, have guardrails in this area of your life and here's the reason that he gives. He says, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner and at the end of your life, you groan. (laughs) He's saying, watch out, the stakes are high You can lose your family, lose your honor, lose your strength, lose your money, lose your health, lose your reputation, and you are full of regret at the end of your life. He says, remind remind yourself what is at stake. Do you want to finish well? I know that you do. I do too. I want to finish well. If you think about the... Olympic 100 meters and you know, imagine one of the United States athletes sprinting out to the lead in the first 50 meters, 75 meters, 80 meters, maybe even 90 meters and then just stops before getting to the tape and just kinda rolls in and comes in last. And you say, that, that's not how it works. You gotta go all the way to the end, all the way to the finish, all the way to the tape with all of your energy, finish well. To appreciate guardrails, sometimes we just gotta look over the edge of the cliff and say, I don't wanna go there. When I start thinking, you know, it's no big deal, everybody does it, it's gonna make me happy, I am in a danger zone. That ought to ding my conscience, and I need to look over the cliff and remind myself where I don't want uh, to go. And it's interesting to me that in the second half of Proverbs 5, you know, after the wise sage gives, gives this warning about what's at stake, he then gives a better alternative. And he says, rather delight in the wife of your youth. Delight in the husband of your youth. In other words, build in to your marriage and take delight in one another. This is the better path, the better way to go. And there will be no groans and regrets at the end of your life. Remind yourself What is at stake? And invest in your spouse. So develop a biblical conviction. Remind yourself what's at stake. Here's the last thing I wanna mention just for our consideration and our thought. Number three is to talk about it. And let me explain that. But to talk about it, here's what I mean by that. If If I'm married, have a conversation about guardrails that make sense in your marriage with your spouse. And here may be one way to approach it. You could say something like, hey, what is something that would hurt you? What is something that would make you uncomfortable? You know, even if it wasn't outright wrong, but it just, you wouldn't feel good about it. And that, and it would hurt you if you found out about it. (laughs) You know, what's something like that? You know, for instance, think through the arena of social media. What if, you know, what if I had an old flame as a Facebook friend? You know, or private messaging someone of the opposite sex. You know, maybe those things aren't in and of themselves wrong, but maybe they need talked about. How would you feel about that? You know, what are what are some social media guardrails that would make sense in our relationship? You know, maybe how about how about uh, you know having lunch, having a private meal with a colleague or old friend of the opposite sex? How'd that make you feel? What would you think about that? And you might think, well, you know, in my, you know, in my business, that sort of thing is sort of unavoidable. It just kind of comes with the, you know, with the territory. And so maybe the guardrail will be, I would always tell you about it. Um, it's, it's, and, and there wouldn't be any secrets, you know, in that regard. Maybe that's the guardrail that we would set in a circumstance like that. You know, in a in a ministry context, you know, like here at the church, we would you know, we 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 have a guardrail, hey, no one-on-one counseling with someone of the opposite sex, right? That just isn't smart. <laughs> that just doesn't make sense. And so then that would be a guardrail that we set up in our context, in our in our ministry context. You know, think about Billy Graham. You remember him, the great the great evangelist Dr. Graham and he, uh, very early in his ministry, he and his team set up guardrails in a lot of different areas of their life and this was, this was one of them. And, and he had, his, for his own personal choice, he, had, he said, hey, I'm not even, I'm not gonna get in an elevator alone with some of the opposite sex. I'm not gonna ride in a car alone with someone of the opposite sex. And we, you know, we might think, oh man, that sounds a little um, extreme, but he finished well. And sometimes when you're in the public eye like that, you gotta be a little uh, extreme. And he's someone that we can look up to that had great integrity in his life all the way to the finish line. Maybe uh, the guardrails that you would think about would just involve certain people that aren't healthy for you or good for you to be around. Or maybe certain places that you don't wanna go or just certain situations or circumstances that they, it's just not good, you're just not gonna go there. I know that's a danger zone and I'm just gonna stay out of it. If, if you're in a serious relationship, a serious dating relationship or engaged, um, a good thing to do may be to talk about your convictions together and what your guardrails are to talk about it ahead of time, you know, before you're in a tough situation. If I'm single, having a Christian friend that, that is safe, that we can encourage each other, we can be accountable to one another, may be a, a great thing to have. We need to talk about it. Talk about it with our spouse, talk about it with our, if we're in a dating relationship, talk about it with a close friend. You know, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says there that we as believers are under no obligation to judge the world in this regard. And I think that's important to remember that we can sort of relieve ourselves of that responsibility. Uh, people who aren't believers or are not part of God's family, we don't need to, you know, be judging them. But it does say in 1 Corinthians 5 that we are under obligation one to another that we do need to encourage each other and hold each other accountable in this arena. We do need to talk about it. So as you know as we close I I just I just want to mention a few things. You know, one is we may be thinking just a little bit in the back of our mind, we may be we may be saying, "Man, this I I get I get what you're saying, pastor, but it's just it's maybe a little over the top. You're being a little bit prudish. You're being, you're being it's kind of unsophisticated, you know? And here's what, here's what I find interesting. Proverbs 7 turns that completely on its head. And it says it's the simple person. It's the naive person who doesn't understand life, who doesn't have guardrails, and wanders into these situations that create all kinds of problems for them. And it's, the, it's, and it's the wise person actually who puts guardrails into their life. And so here's the challenge. What are my guardrails? And maybe talk about it with your spouse even today because here's what I know. No one ever regretted having a guardrail, but lots of people regret not having one. And some of us here today, too, man, we may be, we may be thinking, I, I think I've already blown past some guardrails. And as I'm sitting here, I'm a little bit under conviction about it. And I'm involved emotionally with someone that I, I think that I should not be. Maybe even involved Otherwise, And the Holy Spirit is bringing that conviction to you and reminding you right now of everything that is at stake. And I, I just want to encourage you that God has you here today and he's speaking to you because he loves you so much and he wants to save you from so much regret. And that's why he's speaking today and your heart is sensitive to that. And all that we need to do is acknowledge that, confess that to the Lord, ask for his courage to break off what we need to break off, to do what we need to do and to honor and to do the right thing before it goes a step further. And that may be the one thing that needs to happen today. And some of us here today may have regrets from the past, you know, kind of in our BC days before Christ, there are some regrets back there. And, and just thinking about this is stirring some of that up in an unhealthy way. And I just wanna tell you that, that this is not about looking behind, this is about looking forward. And every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us. When Paul was talking to the Corinthians who their culture was so much like that and he says such as some of you were but not anymore. You have been washed and sanctified and justified. You're a new person, you're a new creation. And so I just want to encourage you, don't let the enemy of your soul drag you back into that shame, drag you back into that guilt and speak to you in that condemning way which is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that you are washed, sanctified and justified. You are a new creation in His sight. And this is about as we look forward putting those guardrails into our life as he would lead us to do so. And so just allow me um, to take a minute and to pray for you and to pray for me uh, in this regard and then we're just gonna take a moment and I just have a few quick reminders for us before we dismiss, okay? But let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for the word of God that both encourages us and challenges us. And I just pray for every person here, Lord, that they would feel your love and your blessing on them. And if we need challenge in this area, we give you permission to challenge us. Rock our boat a little bit because we don't want regrets in this life. And I just pray for every one of us that we would have that strong conviction to flee, to run away from every form of immorality that wants to have us. And we know the enemy of our souls after us, but he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so we just thank you for that today. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us spirit-filled wisdom on where we need guardrails in our life, right now in this sacred moment that you would speak to us. And Lord, if you're bringing conviction to us in any area of our life where we've blown through a guardrail, would you give us the courage to do the right thing today? And we accept that as your loving correction of us. And I pray for any of my brothers and sisters who are, the enemy wants to bring up that shame and regret from the past, and we just Speak to that in Jesus' name and we're reminded of who you've made us, that you love us, you've called us, you've washed us, you've sanctified us and we're looking forward and we ask that you would help us to have those guardrails in our life. We love you so much and it's in Christ's name that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen, Amen.